My guest today is the European sales manager at Aspira. Stephen Hegarty, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Stephen. Stephen, um, I'm getting this, the, the, the sense you're, you, is that a Dublin accent? Are you from Dublin originally? I, yes, my parents are from uh, Finglas and around the Finglas Park. So I okay. grew up in Walkinstown in Crumlin. So you're a north sider. Well, no, Walkinstown is south side, isn't it? Yeah, but I moved to Wicklow, Wicklow Town when I was five. Okay. <laughs> so what was it like in Wicklow? It's a beautiful part of the country. Yeah, it's a lovely fishing village. Um, the lovely beaches. Um, it's a small enough town, small enough population, but you know, I like it, and I'm, and I'm close to my family here. Um, yeah. I live about like we live about five minute drive away from my parents, so it's great that yeah. they're there to take on babysitting duties um, whenever I need it. <laughs> and what, when you said you moved there early, what type of a childhood was it for you uh, in, in Wicklow? Um, fine. Um, went to school and went to school out in British Bay actually in uh, primary school. It was very good. Um, had a, a very good name and it was a mixed school. So when we when we moved down here, my sister's a year older than me, and the reason why my parents want want sent us to British Bay is that like you know we could be with each other at break time because we didn't know anybody. You know, uh, with no friend, with no family, with no friends down here when, when we moved. Um, and then I, I done my leaving cert and did a style in Wicklow Town. Um, done a couple of years in college, uh, studied studied marketing and sales. Then start working in the working in the the bank. My first kind of real job was in permanent TSB. Um, then I moved on to First Active, and okay. when the crash hit the last time, First Active moved out. Of well, they closed. They merged with Ulster Bank. So I got a night redundancy package and went to um, Australia for uh, six oh, wow. weeks. Yeah, okay. Melbourne. Love to talk to Sydney. you about that. But before we do that, uh, you, you worked in the bank. Was it in sales in the bank, or were you in the uh, in a branch? Um, I was in a branch, but I was um, um, working in in investments. Okay. So, a nice uh, so pensionable job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was there. I was I was in first active three three and a half years, and then. Yeah. Um, they they decided to close all their their branches when um, yeah. the crash hit, and because I was in, in investments, obviously, you know that's, that's my job yeah. was made redundant. You know. Yeah. So how did you end up in sales then? Um, it was kind of that being let go from first act. It was kind of like a, a blessing in disguise. When I when I got back from Australia, I still had some money left over, and. Um, uh, a friend of myself and a friend of mine who was a builder, um, and obviously um, he was made redundant in, in his job, mm. and we decided to put some money together and um, buy Christmas ornaments and go over to the UK and sell them uh, personalized mm. Christmas ornaments. You probably see them everywhere now. You didn't, mm. and back then. Um, and as we were going back and forth, because then we opened a market in Dublin as well, um, we ran into a guy. Um, that uh, worked in had, had his own confection factory factory in Morocco, mm. and he kind of said to us, "We got on pretty well. Um, if you get the money together, he said, uh, I'll contract work out to you." And um, 
and your your outlay will be setting up the the, the factory. So we we kind of made an, we we made a nice amount of money from those ornaments that was able to get us started in Morocco. And um, I I we, the agreement was that I'll I'll go there for a year um, and help cool. set up the business and put the process in place, and then I'll um, I'll move back to Ireland. And that's that's we done and we done that successfully. So you spent a a, a year in Morocco. Yeah. Wow. in north north africa tangier yeah so that, that was a great experience you know that was like um we were going into something that uh we knew absolutely nothing about um but like my approach to to business is keep it simple like you know mm. um the the contracts that we were sent sent um was women's fashion you know and you have to look at it as like a mm. jigsaw like you're putting like a jigsaw mm. together and we had to get the lines set up and then the quality control and then um and then ship them out you know um mm. there's the the infrastructure is quite poor you know um in morocco and you know again i really like to keep things simple in business and when we were offloading um our stock i noticed that like confection is massive in morocco and i kind of noticed that there was people running up and down the stairs and putting them into a truck and I just said to um, the guy that I was in business with, I said, "Can we just get a rope from the top, um, from the top window, and, and mm. tie it onto the onto the back of the truck, and then we'll just put a bunch of dresses on hangers mm. and and just fade them down that way, you know, and zip wire them exactly." And it was it was it it it, it got it done quicker and uh -huh. a lot, and it was a lot, it was so simple, but it was it was very efficient, you know. Yeah. That's interesting because you spend some time in a bank, and I, I, I'm, I'm almost sure this is true, because uh, I spend time in a civil service, and I think the mentalities are quite similar. Is that if you were to suggest any innovation in their processes, it would be met with, you know, just just do it the way it is. What are you talking about? Yeah. And now you're in a in a situation where not alone is a good idea, it's necessary and, and it's most welcome. How did you find those two environments? How did they sit with you as, as in terms of your own personality? In terms of um, yeah, delivery, I find regulated environments, it, it takes longer to get there because there's so much red mm -hmm. tape. Whereas um, that business, like that was, that was our business, you know, we had a dead like we had a deadline to hit, you know, every month or every quarter mm. to have to have perfect dresses made. How we done that was irrelevant. It was just get mm. it done, you know. Mm. And and I found it that the um the planning around how we've achieved that was was it was again keep 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 it simple, you know. Mm. Um so yeah, I much prefer working in environments where you have um the ability to influence and uh, make things better without having to to go up mm. a number of flights, a number of chains to try and get things approved before you can implement it. Were there any clues in your growing up in Wicklow that pointed to uh, uh, an entrepreneurial spirit? Um, yeah, actually, thinking of it, um, I kind of really got into sales at the ripe old age of 12. Um, and kind of to, to put some context around the story, we didn't have much money growing up as a family. 
and I had like I had a serious passion and love for snooker. Uh, all I wanted to do was play snooker day in and day out. And at the time, the club was charging five pound an hour, or sorry five pound an hour, and I was oh. hooked on I was hooked on the game. And my parents just didn't have that money to give me, you know. Um, so I kind of started thinking about ways how I could make money, you know, to pay for my snooker addiction. And mm. and living in a small fishing village in, in Wicklow Town, my, my dad's involved in the fishing industry. And I remember walking home with him one day from school and I kinda I just asked him like what what do the fishermen fish for? And it was whelk, it's like the, the sea snail. And when we when we walked past the harbour, it was an awful smell. Like and I said to my dad, I said, What do they feed? And the whelk to try and catch them and he was like dogfish and crab bodies so the smell came from the juices of the fish that were seeping into the concrete and i just couldn't understand it i was kind of saying well why did they use that they could have not used something else that doesn't smell so mm. bad and he said actually he said what's a really good bait for whelk is golly fish and that's the little crabs that you find at the, at the bottom of a river mm. so i um i said to him um, why don't they use the, the golly fish? And he said, because nobody fishes them. And I immediately thought, right, if I can fish these and source these golly fish, I asked my dad, I said, would a fisherman buy them off me? Mm. And he said they would. Um, and I said, for how much? And uh, he said, probably £10 a box. So mm. I... Two hours of snooker. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I was like, if I... For every box I catch, that's two hours of snooker paid for. Um, mm. and so I asked him, would he help me make the pots? And he mm. said, of course he would. And we, we got together like 50 drums and drilled the holes and put the concrete in and got the rope in. Um, and we, 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 it was a weekend, it was a Saturday evening. Like, like I, I remember like it was yesterday um, that we went down um, with, our, with 50 pots. And he said to me, will you run up to the butchers there? And I asked them to um, to give you some of their offal that they're going to throw out. And um, I said, yeah, of course. I ran up to the butcher. I said, can I take some? I'm going golly fishing. Can I take I'm going, um, some um, of your offal away from you? And they gave mm. me loads, like, you know, and I and for free, you know. Mm. So I was thinking, Jesus, I said, there's no outlay to this, like, because the I'm doing the butchers a favor. I'm taking their offal and I'm using it as bait to catch the gollies. Um, so the excitement was getting like out of hand for me, you know, and I remember um, the night before the haul, I, I just couldn't sleep. All I was thinking about how many gollies now are in my pots, right? Um, and I, I snuck out of my house at uh, two o'clock in the morning and um, I ran down to the quay, uh, I hauled my pots and I caught five boxes of gollies. Wow. I was like, that's 50 pounds. Yeah. yeah. And um, but. I forgot, right, to bring the offal with me to rebate them. Um, uh, so I had to run home, pick up the offal, run back down, rebate the pots, run home mm. before my parents got up out of bed because they would have killed me if they knew I snuck out of the house at two o'clock in the morning. Um, so um, that was a lesson learned there. Always uh, be prepared, you know. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I, fi I fished a river. Um, mm. for five days straight and I caught uh, 30 boxes of gollies so all I could see was 
300 pound flashed before my eyes, Ooh. 60 hours Ooh. of snooker. Um, so I realized at an early age that I had a product, right, that was in high demand. Mm. So my next steps was to sell and sell to the right people. Um, so the excitement was growing and growing and growing. And that evening, myself and my dad, um, we couldn't wait to watch the weather to see what the winds were like over the next couple of days so we could guess what time the boats would be going out. Um, and um, and at that that night, I had to come, come clean with my dad. So I was snuck out of the house, whatever, you know. Um, and we'd drive me down to Key the next morning. Um, so he said he, he would. And um, we got up at three, 3 o'clock in the morning, drove down and because we guessed that the fish might be congregating in one area mm. at around 4, 4 a.m. Um, and that's when we got there and I, and I, and I seen them. Right? That, mm. was, that was the first time I started to get a little bit nervous. And mm. um, my dad could see that. Like, and he asked me, um, would, he like, would, would I like him to come with me? And I, and I said, no, I'll do it on my own. Um, but thanks. And I got out wow. of the car. And I was sh- I, like, I was shaking, you know, as I was walking over um, to the fisherman. And I said, uh, excuse me, can I ask a question? And no one, every, everyone ignored me. They were busy trying to get yeah. their stuff yeah. ready. Yeah. And then I said, I said, excuse me again, can I ask a question? And again, I was still ignored. So I just shouted out. So I said, does anybody want to buy 30 boxes of gollies off me? Right? And yeah. the the... The noise of the generators kind of started to fade. And one of the fishermen said, yeah, look, I'll buy them off you. How much are you selling them for? And I, I said, £10 a box. And um, yeah. I started to get a bit of interest from, from other people yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and look, to get to the point quick, uh, I ended up getting £15 a box from one wow. bidder. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I'll never forget. I'll never forget that feeling. 450 mm. 450 pound mm. 90 hours of snooker um and he said to me look call down um after school and we'll take a look at what you have mm. um mm. so i ran back to the car as fast as i could tell me that what just happened and mm. he just laughed with pride you know mm. and i i mm. was like i was on cloud nine mm. um so after school i i went down um to meet the fisherman he took a look at the box of the gollies and they were sitting there for a week, right? So the bottom boxes were so condensed and only looked like a half or three quarters of a box. Um, and he says, I thought you, I said, that's not a full box. I thought you 30 boxes, whatever. And I said, look, they've been sitting there for a week. You know, the weight of each box is condensed mm-hmm. into the one below us. And sorry, I said, and look, he understood that, you know, but he's, he ended up paying me for um, 25 um, boxes, which is 375 mm. pounds. Yeah, which is more than you had planned on in the, in the beginning anyway. Oh, geez, you absolutely. thought it was 300. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know, th- th- there's so much in that, Stephen, to, to, to unpack. is just, there's a few things that strike me. One is a sense that very often there's clues when you think of somebody going into sales, that when you go back far enough, there's, there's something in their past where they were bitten by the bug, where they had to get outside their comfort zone, where they yeah. had a requirement and they went out and they worked for it, they had to plan, they learned lessons, they made mistakes, they had support. Yeah. All of the elements of the story you're talking about uh, when are, are very com- com- sorry, they're not very common, but I'm gonna say they're common amongst high achievers. That you don't have anybody who succeed in sales, or it's very, very rare you'll find somebody succeed where they had everything easy and they never had to yeah. 
get off their ass and do things and 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 make the effort and, and approach people as you said you know you're at 12 years of age you're shaking mm. and you realize you realize very quickly if i don't take control here and speak up nobody's going to listen to me and, well uh, they only listen to me when i told when i met when i shouted something that was of, of interest yes to, you know bingo yes um and i i was hooked on sales then um, yeah. but but I, I i ended up getting double or triple satisfaction out of, out of that because when when i when he paid me the money uh the 375 pounds I, I i i felt guilty then i said because what because that was more than what my dad was earning in a week mm. right so mm. um i still wanted to use the money to to pay snooker with and mm -hmm. I, I done it i done it for two months and then mm. fished out the river right mm. um but i kind of calculated in my head i was always really interested in numbers i was allowed i was allowed to play snooker for one hour a day during the week and four hours at the weekend mm. so i calculated that if i take 180 pound it will cover mm. the cost of one one snooker and i could mm. make that money work harder for me if i was to play with someone else from time to time because the bill would be split Oh. So I gave, I gave my mom £195 and her reaction meant more to me than mm. paying for a month snooker, you know, so I had double mm. satisfaction and, and she was mm. so proud and I was so proud that I was in a, mm. that, a position to be able to sort out some problems for her. Mm. Mm. I sense you're still proud of that. Yeah, mm. Mm. I really am. It's, that's, yeah, it, uh, and, and when you think about it as well, that story and particularly the giving back. When we talk about sales, and that that in sales we get to make a difference. It's in these moments, yeah. Right. See, it, 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 yeah. It's, I've I've, ta I've taken that experience right through um, my career in sales. And if you were to analyze mm -hmm. the the whole situation and put it into terms of what I do now, the fisherman had a problem. Right? They had a mediocre product that done done a job for them was, mm, mm. but i had a product that was far more superior more expensive mm. than what we're using as well as it being a cleaner a solution to a cleaner way of working mm. um with the main goal is was to increase their their catch right so mo companies will pay for quality if mm. if you deliver on what you originally promised and mm. my my problem i had no money to play snooker um, and the only way um, to make money was to find a product to sell, but not just mm. not just sell the product to anyone to make a quick book. Sell it to someone that needs it. Mm. That's going. It's going to make an impact on their life. It's going to make their life mm. easier. It's going to increase their catch. It's going to. It's going to. Mm. They're going to get real value for their money. And that's a, that's mm. that's a key message, right? Is like sales can be perceived. Um, Sales can generally have a bad name and can, and can be perceived as, look, oh they'll just sell you something you don't need. But my definition of sales is marrying your product with the right, with the right client mm. that needs what you have in your possession to, mm. um, to help meet their business needs and objectives. And that's what you call real value for money. And that's how you yeah. build long-lasting relationships. Because that fisherman yeah. bought off me every single week. Mm. On, on until I fish the river out. <laughs> mm. And not trying to sell it to somebody who has, like you're not trying to sell it to a farmer, for example, who has no need for it. Exactly, it's, you're wasting it's, your time. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah.
there, there is there is a lot in that. Um, and, and I think there's something else that jumps out at me is that we talk about salespeople, people in general being motivated by money, and it's not true. The money for you was a means to an end. It was snooker. And in fact, you could even probably go another step and say, not even the snooker, but it was how you felt when you got to play in the snooker hall as a young independent, you know, you're a teenager and you're not even an adult at that stage, but mm. the, the playing the snooker meant something to you more than just smacking one ball into a net. It, it was a lot yep. more than that. And it was it that that's the incentive. And to experience mm. that, it's never the money. It really no. isn't. And knowing that I'm I'm playing snooker here off the back of um making my making money myself. Mm. Um and kind of what that led to like when I started making progress in snooker and started winning a couple of competitions, the owner, a fella called Vincent Dodd, um sponsored me um for mm. a whole summer to play snooker. And then when I started winning competitions and representing Ireland, the owner of the club said that he'd sponsored me and I didn't have to wow. pay for snooker there. Yeah. So now now you're into return on investment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all coming together. It's all yeah. coming together. I take it you still play. You play oh, competitively. I, uh, I, I use, like I haven't, I dip in and out every now and again, but mm. um, just to meet up with old friends, really. Um, but um, no, like the, the, the owner of the club, Jason Watson, is, was a fantastic snooker player and I learned so much mm. from him. Um, and um, he really helped, helped me out. Um mm. And I haven't, I actually two young kids, Max, who's five, Indy, who's two, and you know, yeah, any any spare time you get is going, um, and spending time and playing with them. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that I probably will go back to maybe. But you also now like, get to give to them what your father gave to you as well, yeah, and mm. that's that's what it's all about, yeah. Uh, I see there's a number of instruments behind you, talk to me about those. Oh yeah, I um, I love playing guitar, um, piano, and like music was a big part of my life as well. I love like Dean Martin, Frank Snatcher. Um, oh wow! Yeah, you know, but like again, going back to to making money, I remember getting up and I was asked to get up to sing a song, or whatever. I loved Elvis as well, like so, I sang an Elvis song, and um, the band said to me, "Look, would you um, would you be interested in in?" playing with us, doing a set with us at our gigs. And I was like, yeah, I said, but like, I'd have to find a proper Elvis suit first, you know? Um, and I came across um, the seamstress in Canada and all she done was make Elvis suits. So I, I looked at it, I looked at her suits and I was like, Jesus, like I've got the white jumpsuit with the big belt and the cape. Um, and I, I said, I was looking, I was like, right, that's the nicest one. It was the most expensive one, right? It was 5,000 euro. And um, again, again, we didn't have that money, right? So I just rang the yeah. band and I was like, how many gigs do you have booked in, you know, over the next while? And they said, we're booked out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, some Sundays for the next two years. And they said they'd give me, like, I, I'd only do, do a set, like 10 songs. They said they'd give me, like, I think, I think it was 250 euro. For a gig, yeah. for a wedding, for a wedding, no, um, obviously cheaper, you know, for um, um, for like the pub gigs and things like that. But you mm. get repeat, you get repeat business mm. at pub gigs. So I went down to the bank and I applied for a credit card, and they gave me five thousand. 
rang rang the girl in Canada and says, "Can you make me that suit? Here's my size. Pay for the suit because it was an it was an event like it was a love of mine, Ooh. right? But it was an investment as well because I I I kind of, I said like the first ten gigs are gonna the the first ten weeks right are gonna pay for that right if because I calculated that I'd, I'd be earning like 500, 500 euro a week playing three gigs yeah. with the lads one 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 pub gig maybe a a a, a theater or a surprise party and then a wedding thrown in there um so then when i paid for that um elvis suit i ordered the um the black leather 1968 suit opera as well <laughs> so and you still have um, them. one one just barely fits the leather one does not a right. hope um but the <laughs> the um the jumpsuit i can just about get that on yet yeah that's 15 years old ever... Yeah, when when you're closing the deal, you're inside your head going, "Oh, Almighty, I feel but would you rise in?" Yes, my inner my inner soul is is singing that. Yeah. 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 Oh man, there's so many songs you could insert into so many oh, aspects of setting. I know, yeah, I know. Mo moody yeah. blues when you don't win. <laughs> good. Um, mm. Tell me, Stephen, who who inspires you, past or present? Look, has to be Elvis. You know, like the the man had everything. Um, he's so charismatic, great singer. Um, like who? Like who? Like mm. it's just, it's a hard one, right? Obviously, yeah. you weren't alive from, when he was alive by any chance. I'm I'm guessing you weren't. No, no. I no. wasn't even thought of. Right, I, I remember I, the night he died. Oh yeah. Distinctly, I was 12 years of age, another 12 years of age. And uh, yeah. funny enough, I was more upset. Like, I knew of Elvis, and I remember we used to listen to Radio Luxembourg, a little, what we call a little transistor radio under the pillows, because there was no, there was only RT Radio 1. There was no yeah. pop music on at night, except Radio Luxembourg you could tune into. And right. I remember uh, Way Down was, it was uh, in that the was charts. That's it. When, yeah. That yeah, it was in the charts when he and I remember listening to that way on down. In fact, I bought the single if I remember serves me correctly. And but I only got started get buying his albums after he died. Right. And I remember one Christmas being really upset because I went down. Was it birthday or Christmas? I went down to buy the album and they didn't have it in stock. And I remember being really getting into the car. My father kind of thinking that I'd lost the money. Because <laughs> I was really upset. He goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? So they didn't have it in stock. So uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Um, always was be the always will be the king. Ah, you'll never meet or there'll never be another. Mm. Um, Unless King Henry, by the way, as a Kilkenny man, I have to go there. But <laughs> uh, that's that's an Irish reference that non-Irish people won't get. But <laughs> I suppose you can yeah. put um, uh, what what motivates me, inspires or inspires me under the one category, and like from a from a personal perspective, like it has to be mm. your, your my family. Like I've, I've mm. a beautiful fiance, I've two beautiful children max and indy and like my motivation in life and in work is to give them a life that that i never had you know like mm -hmm. the best education lovely family holidays mm -hmm. you can't put a price on, on making wonderful memories with people you love the most and then if i was kind of to put from a work perspective i, I get so much satisfaction out of client satisfaction mm -hmm. and it's it's a great feeling when you have a client that trusts you and mm. and you're delivering for them every time um mm. i set individual goals myself and i get a great satisfaction from exceeding them 
ex- exceeding mm. my targets, achieving mm. my goals, accompl- accompl- accomplishing goals that I set for myself. Mm. And mm. Um, but it all goes back to family. That's why mm. you put the long hours in to give them um, a better life. I want to show you something, right? Um, a few years back, I was asked to to do um, a kind of like an Irish celebrity Strictly Come Dancing type thing. Mm. And um, I done it with um, Paula. She's a breast cancer survivor. We danced the tango. And we were up against the likes of, say, I think Elaine Crowley and, you know, just all Fair City actors and stuff like that, you mm. know. And we ended up winning it. And wow. The year after, again, we all went out on, on, on a night out and sure I start doing the Elvis stuff, whatever like that. And the um the CEO for Breast Cancer Ireland was there and then she says to me, Would you the, the next year, would you would you do it next year? And would you do it would you do some Elvis stuff for us, you know, like we perform Ooh. or something like that? And I said, Geez, yeah, I say get, get in touch with me next year. And phone rang and I knew exactly what it was about. I was oh it's not this again, you know? Um and um they, they said, Look, will you do will you dance for us again? Ooh. And would you would you mind doing a few Elvis songs? We're going to have a, a Las Vegas team um, this year, and yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, fine. Um, cool. And uh, we were going through a rehearsal. Like it was actually it was awesome. Like it, it was it was in um, uh, along the keys there in Dublin, and I live in Wicklow, and the traffic does cool. be just be ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Um, and I I remember I was sitting back and I was going through me me steps. And then I was I was rehearsing songs as well, and I said to I just I just said to myself, wouldn't it be gas if I actually propose next year, you know, um, or or next week? It was actually next week mm. on stage. Mm. There was a thousand people there. The last time there was like fifteen thousand people online mm. watching the events, and I said, and then I thought no more of it, right? And I got up the next morning to go to do my fish run, and um, I drove past the jewelers and I had sale, 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 sale. And I said, that is a sign. I pulled in, picked out the ring, and um, she said yes. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> in front, first of all, by the way, it, it looks fantastic, but it also takes guts to do that in front of other people. There's no question about it. Well, there was methods uh, in my madness. She couldn't say no to <laughs> in front of 20, nearly 20,000 people. That, that is true. That is true. So when's the big day? <laughs> Have you we fixed the day yet, I should ask? We, we haven't, fixed. no. Um, no. She said, that you, you, you better organize it before you're 40 because I'm not marrying a 40-year-old and I'm 39 this year, so it's going to have to happen. Um, and it, sh- it should happen in August, Elvis's anniversary. August 16th, the day there he disappeared. I, re- I remember the night he died. Yeah, yeah, I remember it well. Came over the radio, like, as a child, it was the first time I'd heard something like that, something you could identify mm. with. Yeah, mm. that's a remarkable story. Uh, mm. So you're you're a dancer, you're you're a singer, you play guitar. Is is there any end to your talents? Uh, you forgot, you forgot have you got your own there. Wikipedia page yet? You must have at this stage. <laughs> no, I actually my biggest my biggest achievement in snooker was when I was seventeen, and I I was ranked ninth in the world. Um, how how I, where? I was ranked ninth in the world. Wow. I but, thought you said um, ninth, and they said, no, it can't be. It must be 90th. I misheard. No. Wow. But I was 17, and I remember when we were playing that, um, we were playing the World Championships in Stephen Hendry's Cup in Scotland. Mm. And what I saw on the table was a lot of players that were far better than me and more talented than me playing for money. 
and you could mm. see the pressure to pay to pay the bills. And I said, I don't want that. Um, I don't want to mm. be under ever under that that pressure. And I made a decision then to step back a little bit from the snooker and just focus mm. on my studies. Remarkable I, story. I think it was the right decision. Yeah, and what I know about Aspira is that it was a company, still is. ERP was the big area that it operated in. Um, how did you get into that that area? So Aspira is how you pronounce it, by the way. Sorry, Aspira. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, a project management company, um, and the reason why I, I joined Aspire, right, is because like I, I don't have a technical background. I don't have a project management mm. background. But when I I interviewed with the company and I met Pat or CEO, I just really got on well with him. But I seen, right, that Aspire has six services around advisory, training, mm. and low code development, business applications. Um, software development, then project resourcing. Mm. But in each in each of those areas has a sub, subject matter expert or a number of them. And if I if I'm tasked with resourcing a project for a client, those people are key to my success mm. because they're the ones that have the technical or or background mm. ability to properly vet um, those candidates before I'd send them across to a client to put on a project. And it's it's because of them um, mm. that we are able to filter out the strongest candidates for the for for the mm. position for the and you know that's going to be successful in delivering the project for the client, mm. and, and that's why I have credibility. It's not because mm. of I do it on my own. Mm. There's so many people within the company are responsible for my success. Mm. Clearly, the uh, selling the the, the crabs was a pivotal moment in in, in your life yeah. as 12 years of age yeah talk to me about a pivotal moment in your professional life um, that something happened you had an experience that made you think differently about business um, or shaped how you think about business I think. I think you have to be completely honest um, with your clients and never commit to something that you know you're going to struggle to deliver on um, because you, you, you lose instant credibility, credibility that you never get back. So yeah. my, my approach is all when I'm discussing an opportunity with a client is they're telling me what they need and I'm, I'm telling them the reality. And I'm telling them, if we're going to work on this with you, we're going to be, we're going to hit these obstacles. Mm. And either, either you go find someone else that'll tell you they can do everything you ask for, or we 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 work together, in an honest fashion, mm. and and get it done. Um, yeah. So like like a, I suppose, where a lot of salespeople, you know, are not successful is by taking on every every job that comes their way and and yeah. and, and try to make money out of it where yeah. where you're going to be successful is by taking on the right job where you know you're going to be successful and build from there yeah 
it said like not mm. not not all business is good business and sometimes it's good yeah. to walk away from yeah. from something yeah was that something that you just came to a real realization about did you have a mentor was there somebody who you followed watched that gave you that sense of here's how you conduct yourself not really um i've made all the mistakes you could think about in this industry um, mm. that, have, that have stood to me. I've, I've learned from them. I'm, I'm still mm. making mistakes, but I'm still learning. And the, the, mm. the key to, to success is, right, learn from your mistakes and never make the same one twice. Mm. And what would you do differently if you were, say, back 10 years ago? Probably would have stayed in Australia a little bit longer. <laughs> Why, what, why made you come back? I don't ever plan to go over for um, six weeks, see what it was like. But I have mm. to say, like I was 25, 25 at the time. Um, I, I, I miss my family. Like the time difference is, you know, you're getting up when they're going to bed. You know, it's, it, you know, it's hard to, look, the plan was to go over six weeks, soak it and see. Yeah. If I liked it, I'll go back yeah. over, move it over, but I decided to stay. Yeah. And how long did you stay? Was it six months you stayed? No, six, six weeks. weeks. Six weeks only. So yeah. stay, you stayed the six weeks, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> and, 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 you came, and you came back for family. And was it then you started, I just need to get the chronology right. Mm. When did the Morocco thing start? Did that, was that after Australia? Short, yeah, it was right. shortly after. So I, I yeah. got back from Australia, I think, in October or something like that, or September or something like that. And that's yeah. when we made a big order for the Christmas ornaments. So the Christmas right. ornaments made a bit of money from it, moved over to, to Morocco for a year Yeah, uh, in that yeah. the following January or February. What did you enjoy most about Morocco? Well, I'll, I'll never forget when I landed first, it was complete culture shock, complete culture shock. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, what am I getting myself into here? Um, and it just took, it took me time um, to settle. And mm -hmm. I knew, I knew if I worked, Every hour God gave for the first three months, I'd be in a position then to have everything run like clockwork, that I can mm. come, that I can come home and have regular visits um, mm. with, with my family and, and still have the operation running smoothly. But what I really loved um, was Tangier is a very the, the most northern point of Morocco, and it's so mm. close to the most southern point in Spain and a, a place called Tarifa the, like it's a beautiful place it's built it's like it's um, built around a, a castle it's a small place right but um I used to love going over there at the weekends and you'd meet so many interesting people Tarifa was a hot spot for um people that's traveling the world um because if they the I think the logic behind it was right we go to the very southern point of of Spain, we get a ferry over, a half an hour ferry over to Tangier and say that we covered Morocco yeah. as well. Like, yeah, so yeah. I got to Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got I got to meet so many interesting people. Um, it was I was so so proud proud of what we'd done over there because we mm. we we were going into a business that we did know nothing about and we just applied logic. Mm. And that's all you have to do, you know. Sorry. What what made you give it all up? Again, again, the agreement was twelve months. Okay, okay. 
that was, that was the original and, agreement and I was happy to walk away and 12 months in. Yeah, I, so then help me understand why, so I understand why from an agreement, why Tangiers, but that kind of a business, because what you're in now is very different. How did you, and I can see how, how the experience of manufacturing and all of that puts you in you know, good stead today in terms of what you're doing, but why not stay in that business? What was it that drew you away from that manufacturing, contracting type business? I, when I came back, um, I spotted that there was a, a little bar up for, for rent. So I, um, I leased the, the bar in the town. Um, and like it was a very small pub. Mm. And I remember one night, like there was people standing behind the bar because I had nowhere else to go. And I was thinking, oh, I said, this is, this is great. I've got a really good following here. Let's go something, something bigger. Um, mm. And then I'd, I think at least that bar for six months. And then I, at least a nightclub for, well, it wasn't a nightclub at the time. It was a function room. And I turned it into a nightclub. Um, and at least after 12 months, but I, I saw out the contract. But mm. the unsociable errors, I, I just knew it wasn't for me. Um, mm. And then, then I start working in um, in a in, for an agency recruitment agency for for a few mm. years. Um, that's kind of where I learned a lot about the business, um, yeah. how hard it is to succeed mm. in in this business. But persistence, like you need mm. persistence. Um, mm. And you need to um, um, keep not, if you keep knocking on a closed mm. door, it'll it'll open eventually. Mm. Whether it's going to stay open or shut again, whatever. Yeah. But uh, that's what that's what brought me to Aspire then, and that's when I could yeah. see how um, how dynamic the company is, the skill, the internal people that are working there could really help me learn a lot more yeah. of being close to a project, but me using their their knowledge was key um yeah. to to the position i'm in um yeah. today i can see how it can help you as i said in terms of project management and the the main they work in how it can help you clearly though have a entrepreneurial itch and i don't know that that itch ever goes away in people if it's there it was there from a young age how does working in an organization like aspira uh help you scratch that itch um there's no real hierarchy here like i have re regular conversations with the ceo on a personal and and, and work um basis you know um mm -hmm. people listen they listen to you it's it's like it's like you are running your own business you're on your own desk mm -hmm. because um they they're very open to um ideas new ideas um and look, I, I can't, I can't see myself leaving this company. To mm. be honest with you, no. Well, certainly with a young family, it also you also mm. get something really important there as well. But someday, when your family, your kids are grown up, and you're financially independent, <laughs> um, that itch what for something. What What would you like to do with your time? I, I, I probably. Um, you mean like if I was kind of at kind of retirement age? Yeah, yeah. And and you don't need to work. You want to do something, but you don't need to. Where would you focus your time? 
I'd probably pick up snooker again. Um, but uh, I'll tell you an, an, another story. Um, when when my girlfriend got pregnant, like it was it was unplanned, and we didn't really have um, any savings because like we we had a good social life. We'd go on lovely holidays, and um, we we were living in a in a very small two bed apartment. Like a, like it was it was actually a one bed apartment, right? Because the other room was so small, and I got, yeah. I said to Jesus, I said, "What am I going to do?" I said, "We've no savings here. You're pregnant. Um, we can't bring a kid up here. How how am I going to get together um, thirty plus grand uh, in it in two years? You know, and um, in order to save for a deposit um, for the house. So what I actually done, I worked sixty hours a week in the office. Um, I went going back to the fish story. I didn't go golly fishing again. Um, but I sold um, fish door to door in Bray and and Iskerry, and I was able to use that money to pay to pay bills and um, and for food and electricity and rent. Um, and as well as that, I I worked in um, we had opened up a fish restaurant at the time, and I worked um, Thursday nights. Friday nights and Saturday Ooh. nights, and I said to him, I said, I don't want you to pay me, but I get to keep the tips, right? And uh, he was like, Yeah, of course. So between what I was earning from um, selling fish door to door and me tips, I was able to Ooh. say, and I like, I was able to save more um, than my goal um, in two years wow. Um, wow. because we we bought a brand new house and. You have to furnish it. So Ooh. I had saved enough to fully furnish the house and and um and um pay pay deposit. And that's probably one of the the most the biggest achievements I think that I've I say you must be really proud of that. That's a remarkable story of of yeah, there's I I, I, I try to remember who the expression came from. It might have been Einstein, I don't know. Um uh, but it was success was 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. Like you had the idea, you know, the, you're, you're about yeah. the fish, the smell, right? That's the inspiration. But yeah. the real success comes from the perspiration. Oh, yeah. 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 And I, I, I knew that was the only way I was going to get a house um, on time. Mm. And before Max, mm. was, Max was two, I think, when mm. we moved. Was he two? Mm. When we moved in. Um, I, I just I just like I was not gonna like I was not gonna miss that deadline like I like I worked two years straight seven days a week 90 hours a week to be able to buy buy my family yeah. house yeah when are you at your happiest Stephen when I'm asleep <laughs> 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 um, all right uh, <laughs> i look I, I just adore my family um mm. my happiest would be just spending some quality time with the kids like and mm. when they're in good form like this it's so enjoyable you know when they're all when mm. they're having fun with you um what ages are they remind me again max is uh five um he's actually he'd be six this, this year in december and and indy is uh she'd be three in july oh that's a lovely age really and is. they get on 
they get on great, you know, That's and he's yeah. he, he's a he's a great protector of her, and that's lovely yeah. to see as well. Yeah, yeah, mm. and there's still time for one more, sure. Oh, don't, don't tempt fate, please. <laughs> I, have to, I have to buy a bigger house. <laughs> go, yeah. go back selling fish again. Mm. What's sorry, was it? Indy is your daughter's name. Yeah, Indy. Yeah, Indy. Indy. What's your greatest wish for Max and Indy? I, I hope that they experienced some of, of, of what I experienced. Um, mm. And I hope I don't, I, I hope I don't hand them everything on a plate. I hope, and that's kind of, it's, that's hard for, that'd be hard for me. I was going to say the do. hardest part of all of that is because you can give them the good things. That's clear. Yeah. But if you think of what how you got the good things, a lot of that came from having to overcome. And therefore, unless they also have that, they can't keep the good things. Or they don't get the same satisfaction from the good things. They don't get to appreciate them like you do. I know. Because it was the result of hard work. And I, I, that's a difficult one. I don't know how you... How you uh, uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how I'm do either. <laughs> um, yeah. I do... Um, I do get Max to, to get washed the car and I'll give him a fiver and he can go and buy himself some yeah. sweets. But he knows that yeah. if he if he wants to buy his own sweets, he has to wash my car. And he's actually yeah. very he's actually very smart because we were in um we we're in a toy store and he wanted to yeah. get um this um I, I think it was this like Superman figure, but it was it was thirty quid. And mm. uh, I said you'll have to wash my car six times now to get that. Um mm. And um, he said, but what if I washed Mammy's car as well and some of the neighbours? Mm -hmm. I, I, I like the thinking. I, I said, good man. I said, I'll tell yeah. you what, just because you said that, I'm, I'm just going to buy it for you because I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> now he knows you just have to come up with good ideas. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It is that remarkable. I remember with my, my eldest, and oh, he might have been eight years of age at the time, and I, we were in town. We went to Leinster Final, Kilkenny in Dublin, and I was meeting with a friend of mine who was from Dublin. We were meeting at a pub afterwards just to kind of just shoot the breeze after a game. Yeah. And Rain was, was with us, and these uh, uh, women from, there were marketing people from one of the newspapers, the Sun or the Star, one of these, and they were giving out free um, team pictures, and it was decent quality paper of Kilkenny, who had won the Leinster final. And uh, I said it to him, and I was more of a joke because it was, I was, I was chatting to one of my friends and I said, I said it to him, go on outside and see if you can sell those. They were free. Mm. Sure enough, he comes back and he sold them all for a euro each. And that's like <laughs> 10 years ago. Yeah, like yeah. More actually, 15, 20 years ago. He's 28 now. It's lovely um, hearing stories yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, it does make you feel proud, but you also get a sense of, okay, doing that for them again will no longer be the bogeyman. It won't be difficult. It, it, they've done it. You know, there's a precedent there. And all those things, like, just, I remember being on the holidays and him wanting to buy a, I don't know, a mineral orange Coke, whatever it was, and we were at one of these resorts, and just sending him up to ask for it rather than going and doing it for him. Mm. And even though he was shy and didn't want to do it, just those those little things can make it, but you have to, 
particularly the, 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 the risk always is when you, when you have a comfortable, and you can give them a really comfortable life, you almost have to artificially create the discomforts that you don't have to. Yep. And sometimes it's easier not to. Just, you know, it's easier just give it to them. But um, I don't know that you're doing them any favours. And that's, that's, that's a challenge. And I know it's a first world problem, but it is a real problem because if you don't uh, tackle it, then they grow up to be entitled and expect everything. They'll never fend for themselves, like so. No, and then they're going to be really disappointed. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that's the other thing about sales. You find out very fast that nobody really cares yeah. about, you know, what you do. Mm. Um, tell me, I'm uh, play desert islands with me for a moment. If you had to go uh, desert island, take one object with you that uh, the kind of thing that you would run into a burning house to rescue if. And, and it would be the only item. And, you know, your, your family and friends, it can't be them or it can't be your, your phone. It has to be something else. What would it be and why? My Elvis suit, 100%. Your Elvis suit. Yeah. Which one, the leather or the uh, cape? Well, leather, real leather doesn't burn. So the, the jumpsuit. <laughs> oh, is that true about leather? I don't know. So they say, but I'm <laughs> not, not going to try out. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your, yeah. your, your Elvis suit, and mm. I, I, I'm guessing that's because of what it represents rather than the fact it's a rare suit that's worth a fortune. Yes, some great memories performing that. Yeah. Um, um, nightclubs, weddings, uh, and I actually, it was my parents' 40th wedding anniversary there uh, two weeks ago, and yeah. we, got the band, we got the band back together, and uh, I'd done a set for them. And it was Lovely. A, it was a great night. It was yeah. all family and friends that we haven't seen for 20 years, yeah. you know, all came down and, um, yeah. yeah, it was great. It was, it was great that it's, um, I got it on <laughs> for starters, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but, uh, great to get the band back together. And yeah, that's a, that's a memory that I'll have bring with yeah. me to the grave and, and my parents as well. Yeah. And, so maybe some more of that as well as the snooker as well. You never know when you're retired, yeah. And so, but I, I just have these images of you now on a desert island, uh, on a cold and grey Chicago wall, just singing <laughs> away to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I have one final question for you, Stephen. Before I let you go, is this: um, if there's a book written about your life after your time on this planet is done, and there's a book written about your life, what would you like the title to be? <laughs> Um, I'm not going to say rags to riches because I'm not a millionaire. Um, mm. You could say, I don't know, mm. rag, rags to success. Yeah. Uh, can I suggest one? Yeah. A great catch. <laughs> well done. Stephen Hegarty, thank you so much for being my guest. It's absolutely fascinating. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You're a remarkable character. And thank you for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure.